Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Hi there, this is Matt Frank, artist on Godzilla Rulers of Earth, art director for Kaiju Combat, and you're listening to Nerdy Show. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. Well, if it's geeky, we must have it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. Hi, I'm Hex. And this is a Nerdy Show Microsoft. That's where you, our devoted fan and listener, tell us what we talk about for about 15 minutes. Whether we want to or not. Yes. Thank you. You have the power. We value your input. We are completely listener supported, and that means that we rely on your delicious funds to feed the beast that is Nerdy Show. And uh, every $100 mark that we pass in a month, that is your opportunity. If you're the person who does it, then you get a reward. As such, M. 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 He said he would like us to talk about superhero stories. Superhero stories. In disguise. Okay, I'm confused. Kind of like how Batman is really Bruce Wayne? No. No. No, it's more meta than that. Oh, God. M says... Maybe it's just the wine talking. Oh, God. But I think there are quite plenty of stories that don't seem that way on the first glance, but are actually superhero stories. M, M, when you get drunk, you sound like Geldaf. For example, (laughs) you could sort of say that Shamon's Unbreakable is that, but it's pretty obvious for one. Of course. Okay. Anyway, he said, go, he go said, on him. Go he, on him. What he's stumbling around saying here is that M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable a.k.a. the best film he ever did, a.k.a. actually one of the greatest superhero films ever made. Well, I mean, the thing is, that's pretty obviously... It wasn't billed as a superhero movie, but by the end of the movie, you're like, that's exactly what this is. And I have my own thoughts. I'll say it after all this. Okay. A better example... Okay, here we go. Would be my favorite favorite superhero movie, uh, The the Invention of Lying. Uh, it's, It's a movie about an alternative reality where humanity has never evolved the ability to lie. Until the main character finds out that he can say things that aren't. Uh, making him very much a superhero in the movie setting. Or maybe a supervillain. Or Jesus. Or something. What? Uh, so any stories you guys would consider superhero stories that are not obviously marketed as such from the start. So it's about marketing. It's about this marketing. Actually, this is actually a question of marketing. Okay. Um, so I'm going to start off and say, if at any given time, uh-huh. at any moment, uh-huh. during any commercial for Unbreakable... They had said, comics. Uh huh. I would have gone and seen that in the theater. I would have. I would have been excited. Why didn't you? Sixth Sense was really good. I, it just looked weird. Because to me, it was just like Samuel L. Jackson with a weird haircut. I'm like, eh. Bruce Willie, dog. 
There was something else in the theaters at the time. And I don't know. I think I was poor. And that's why there was never an Unbreakable 2, which may have been a good thing based on Shyamalan's track record after that. But I mean, really, we don't know. But nonetheless, when I finally (laughs) saw it, I'm like, holy monkey, this was enjoyable. This was more than enjoyable. This was really good. It was the bee's teats. Seriously, why? Did, anyway, so what you're saying is a movie that is a superhero movie uh-huh. where there's a superhero in it, but it doesn't advertise that it's a superhero. Yes. So anyone with superpowers? So like the movie Hercules by Disney is a superhero movie because he has super strength? Well, that's, that's because weird because... Just based off that definition of the invention uh, you're, of lying... You're not, you're not giving him enough credit. The I'm in- just saying. <laughs> like, it sounds like, any, he, like if someone is a hero... Right. If they have more powers, and I mean, just because they don't have powers, Batman is a badass superhero. Here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. Hercules, Hercules. by by nature, any any character involving a pantheon and a god, there's no gimmick or joke of their powers. This is is about... Thor. uh, This is about premises. This is about story premises where it doesn't involve a direct science fiction element that, that is at least major in the story. Well, for example, for I think ex- you're for ex- hold on, hold, hold on a second. Okay, okay, there okay. are a number of films that are romantic dramedies that okay. are in fact about time travel. Right. Yes. And yes. And those are in those are science fictions in disguise. Right. 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 Um, like uh, Happy Accidents. Yeah. With uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Not to spoil the ending, but there's a lot of suspicion throughout the film that he believes he's a time traveler. He may actually be a time traveler. Um. What was it? Something in Leopold. Kate and Leopold. Kate and Leopold. Right? Sophie was pitching it to me, and the moment she said time travel, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why didn't we not watch this months ago? You did not tell me this was a time travel movie. It looked pretty shitty, though. How was it? It was It was a time travel movie. That you're not telling me. I mean, how many time travel movies have you seen that are bad? There are some. There are some, but they're very rare. This one, not that bad. Okay. <laughs> I actually enjoyed it. It's time travel in Hugh Jackman, so it's like, it's not that bad. Okay. Okay. Fair. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, I would recommend giving it the chance that I gave just on the premise that was time travel. Similar, I saw, I can't, I can't for the life of me remember the name of the film, but there's a film that was recently within, within the scope of 2014 in theaters. The trailer is kind of baffling because it starts and it looks like a costume drama about like a, a thief and a woman who's dying of like consumption or something. And then 75% through the trailer, it's like, and now we're in modern times. And there's like, a, they're like, I don't, it's either time travel or he can't die or there's a ghost or they're still in love. And it's like, you thought this was a romantic costume drama, but it turns out it's like metaphysical. That happens a lot. But the superpowers thing is a bit trickier. There's movies that aren't about known superheroes like Unbreakable. There's movies right. like Super or Griff the Invisible that's about the premise of superheroes, but they're very forward facing in that they're about people who would like to be superheroes. It's about special powers in the scope of a, a script or premise that are not acknowledged as superpowers. I have one, and it's kind of shitty, but either Bruce or Evan Almighty. Uh. Uh, well, Bruce Almighty specifically. I never saw Evan Almighty. Both, I, I assume both were shitty, but the first one was definitely shitty. And, I mean, he's given God's power. I right. mean, for what it's worth, no one knows he has that power. He is actually damning the world and also doing miracles based on a superpower given to him by the Christian God he could have, or something. He could have like ended war. Right. Or famine. Or any the of the other fucking terrible. It's so uh, fucking horsemen, bad. But instead, he just looks up girls' dresses. <sighs> Let's not talk about that anymore. Anyway, that's an example of it could be considered a superpower that he was bequeathed. Many, right. many superheroes actually, you know, receive powers from a boon from some kind of celestial a being. Deity. Right. It seems weird to me. That kind of whole idea. It's a superhero in disguise. Well, it's, it's not about I, I the like, hero. It's I like about the, the example. I like the example of the sci-fi in disguise. Uh-huh. 
I definitely agree with that, that those exist. Yeah. Man, how about um, Prestige? Am I right? Yeah. Like, holy you monkey. think like, ah, it's a movie about uh, magicians. And you're like, nope. nope. Here's a bunch of Nikola Tesla science fiction. And it's shoved down your throat. It's complicated. And it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> It basically, even in the, the, the premise well, that Emma's... Even, is, even in the example with the, the invention of lying, right. the whole premise of this is a person with a power yeah. is that is the premise of the movie. Right. It's in a situation where someone has an advantage that others do not. Mm-hmm. Some kind of power. And whether or not they use that for good or evil depends on whether it's a superhero movie or a supervillain movie. I think movie. there's, there's, there's going to be a lot of things that neither you or I have seen that I mean, are out there. What about like uh, Leon the Professional? Like he has the same kind of powers as Batman. He's a total badass. That's true. And he saves a little girl and trains her as his Robin. That's a very valid example, Hex. It's not what M was going for, but correct us if we're wrong, M or anybody who's emotionally invested in this topic. That seems legit to me. Yeah, he has a power the same way Batman has, because he has trained and he has the right tools. And he is taking on this ward to train in the same path, even if it's as a mercenary killing people for money. So I I think the place where this shows up most often is in independent films, where there can be like a subtle thing that's like a a dirty little stain of science fiction in an otherwise quite marketable film. Right. You're mainly going to get that in indie movies, like you were saying. In films like Super and Griff the Invisible, the premise is, it's obviously, like I said, it's not hidden. It's not, the, the superhero element is not hidden, but it's human comedy dramedies are the focus That's rather the than- the driving like, focus the, the, rather than- the, 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 um, the actual superhero nature of them is either an illusion or a side effect or, or something. It's, it's secondary in, in, in I mean, truth. even in, say, Hancock- with Will right. Smith. I was trying to remember the name of that damn one. It's, he is a superhero, but yeah. that's not the focus. Right. And, and, and good stories don't crutch entirely on the genre anyway. Right. I um, wish the writers of any Superman movie could learn that lesson. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something to be said about whether or not a film embraces their genre in addition to telling a, a human story. Right. That's intelligent writing. So I saw Elysium. Yeah, okay. Have you seen Elysium? I have not. I wanted to. It was a okay. sci-fi director of District 9. Look good. The dude from District 9 is also in it as the bad guy. Okay, cool. He's awesome in it. Elysium itself, tangent, totally felt like Citadel. It was amazing. It felt like I was looking at mass, the <laughs> the potential Cause, cause of he, Mass Effect the movie. Because you said Citadel, and I was like, oh, the card game. The <laughs> tabletop card game. That doesn't no. make any sense, but maybe, no. maybe it has some kind of mercantile no. structure. <laughs> well, in a way, yes, but no. <laughs> A different Citadel. Like okay. I felt like I was looking at Mass Effect's Citadel. Yeah, no, I can from from the shots in the trailer that makes sense. And it definitely had a neuromancer feel to it, and continued to. Oh well, like, I mean, it's we, about we like want- a it's about a, a fucking space station that's for where the posh live. So I wonder where they got that idea from. No, and it, it 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 didn't feel like it was stealing. It definitely felt like an homage. Okay, but one character, I'm going to basically tell you the plot of the movie. So if you haven't seen Elysium, go out to your local red box. Uh, rent it. <laughs> Might be a bit late for that, Hex. Let's try Netflix. Whatever. Obtain this movie somehow if you care. Pause. Go watch it. Otherwise, keep on listening. So this dude, for one reason or another, he has three days to live. He gets radiation poisoning to the max. Uh-huh. And so he's like, I'm going to die. Someone save me. And uh, he goes to his underworld friends like, oh, here's the plan. We need to get up to Citadel, uh, to Citadel, to Elysium, (laughs) because they got this technology that if you sneak up there, they will fix you up. So he gets stamped with a DNA of of a fake resident of Elysium, and he just needs to get up there. However, to do this, he needs to do a job for them. Uh So they suit him up with like old style exosuit. 
This is grisly shit where they're like putting screws into his head so that it's wired to his brain. Gotcha. It is some awesome. Like it's I'm watching. I'm like, this is pretty good. This uh-huh. is, I got to say, this as far as cyberpunk and film, this is this is impressive. Okay. I wish the story had as much attention <laughs> to detail as the exosuit, but you can only have so much with a quote unquote blockbuster. So right there, this is a gentleman who, because of one reason or another, now has his exosuit that gives him the strength of like 10 men. And in the, though it's already in the sci-fi setting, he is effectively a superhero. A superhero. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> it took a while to get there, but you had a punchline. Well, I, I also had to talk about Mass Effect geeking out and yes. the Romancer geeking out. Yes. But to me, when you're like, oh, let's list off the superhero movies, I'm like, oh, well, it's, it's not because of any fantasy means. Well, oh, here's some other superheroes, superhero types that are easier to translate into this realm of secret superhero. Secret. Uh, secrets. The genius archetype, the Tony Stark archetype. Any character that conceivably could, in fact, build something such as Iron Man. I'm looking at two notable 1980s geniuses from film. Are you looking at Buckaroo Banzai? Well, that is one of them, Dr. Banzai. And Chris Knight. And Chris Knight from Real Genius. <laughs> you called it, Hex. Both of them are stark level intellects. I would and agree with could that. could easily, I mean, like, for starters, Buckaroo Banzai kind of runs his own costume super, science adventure team. Super science team. Yeah. He deals with aliens and all kinds of shit on a regular basis. On the similar level, sticking with the 80s genre, uh-huh. given a, a boon, right? because of one's talent, mm-hmm. one could then also argue that Alex Rogan <laughs> yes. from The Last Starfighter yes. being given the first only spaceship, and that's kind of like the equivalent to me of like Nova. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, because of his own skills... He now is uh, the first human starfighter pilot. And look, before I feel like we should just say this because we're having this conversation. It's very reminiscent of a conversation that we've already had, not on the microphone. I'm just going to say this so no one gets any ideas here. We don't like it when you kids get ideas. No, we love it when you get ideas. But, oh, but yeah, here's the thing. Like, we, we, have, we have actually been talking about what would happen if there was, say, a 1980s pop culture league of extraordinary gentlemen. No surprise, all three of these figures are somehow involved. Yeah. And I guess full disclosure, there was a number of years ago announced there was going to be a Buckaroo Banzai role-playing game. It's still, I don't know, question mark. We've been in talks with the people who are making it, and we haven't heard anything in a while. Hopefully, it's still coming out. We were going to do a one-shot for the game, and we were going to make this super team a part of it. We didn't plan on discussing this this episode, but since Surprise! it's all out there, it's like, you know, I figured, well, why, why not? Okay, so yeah, that's, that's an idea. Who else is on the team? Well, Marty McFly. I pushed for Jack Burton, but I don't think we have a Jack Burton on oh, I, I think, well, Doug wasn't in the picture when we, uh, oh. and I think that Doug would definitely side with a Jack Man, Burton. I, mean, I would love Doug to be Jack Burton. Anyway, this is a great idea. We hope to play it someday, whether it's in the Bonsai system or not, but uh, that, that's an idea that's out there. The 80s was a great time for sensational storytelling in cinema. Right. There's a reason that everybody hearkens back to it, and it's not just because we're all like, you know, nostalgia whores. It's because there was actually something going on there that simply was not present in later decades. I guess people just, they were like, no, it's all about grunge music, and we got to take ourselves way too seriously. <laughs> So as, as far as superheroes in disguise, it, it's it's tricky. Um, we want to know what you guys think because it. I mean, we've had this the topic on the block for a while now. We thought about it, and and it, it's not the easiest thing to come up with. It's very subtle. It's all about subtlety. I mean, really, M. This is the subject for a well-researched Wait, document. Maybe he's talking about a secret superhero movie, as in a superhero movie that no one knows about, like the original Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> is that what he's talking about? That's that's different. That's like a skeleton in a closet. I mean, I suppose it's a secret, but 
Secret. Secret. <laughs> so if you guys know of any that fit the bill for M's concept of the secret superhero film where secret. someone has a uh, boon beyond the scope of mortal man or maybe not because like like i said leon the professional is just hard work and a lot of guns i mean he's not actually unkillable you know right right but right but he's crazy i mean like he he's his he's, superpower is that he's a sociopath that's like it, it, bruce, <laughs> bruce willis and die hard is he is he a secret superhero because he seems to be like unkillable yeah practically unkillable. once again i wouldn't say that's pure skill i would also say that is an abundance of luck right but I would put him up at that level. So there's maybe another discussion we had there of like, <laughs> how many times has Bruce Willis been secretly invulnerable? Um, <laughs> I mean, he's not invulnerable. He has bloody feet. The glass still hurts him. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's got a healing factor, man. I'm not arguing with that. Anyway, thank you so much, M, for requesting this microsode topic. If you have a microsode topic and you enjoy the all the programming on the Nerdy Show Network, including Nerdy FM, well, you know what to do. Dial M for microsode. <laughs> I've been working on that all episode. Thank you, Hex. <laughs> and everybody say goodbye to Hex. Bye, I'm Hex. And hello to Doug. Hey, how's it going? This is a microsode two-pack, so... Uh, now we're going to transition over to another topic. But before we do that, before we do that, Doug, yeah. what, what did you think about the conversation Hex and I just had? You know, I, I was listening and as just as I was thinking, oh, here's a movie. Then you guys would say it. <laughs> or I'd be like, oh, wait, no, no, wait. I know a movie that is actually about a superhero, but it's not a typical superhero film like The Mask. And I go, wait, that's a comic book. Shit. And then I'm like, oh, let me think. What's something that's not, he's not a superhero, like superpowers. Oh, Rocketeer. No, wait, shit. That's also a comic book. So everything was pretty obvious, but I ended up thinking of a couple. First one that came out was the Blues Brothers. That is totally a movie that it's you're like, oh, it's about, you know, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd. But by the end of the movie, something's going on. It's like, I mean, it's not like it's like, oh, well, die hard. He just gets lucky. No, dude. The end of Blues Brothers is undeniable. Something is happening and it is metaphysical. They break the rules so many times for real. They become superheroes like their music. I'm, 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 I can't do it because it'll spoil it. The other one is uh, Legend of Drunken Master, the Jackie Chan yeah, film. Yeah, I love that movie. You take a guy, you know, he's like skilled, but once you add his secret sort of like reverse kryptonite, right? he becomes an unstoppable machine. It's like Pandora's box where it's like the whole time, no, Jackie, you can't drink. Don't drink it. Don't drink it. And then it's like, shit, it's the fan. Like, Jackie, you got to take a drink quick. And he's like, what? But you told me never to take a drink. Just take a drink. Gluck, 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 gluck. And suddenly he's a Superman. Like it's suddenly it's he's, he's unstoppable. It's also plays with physics and he does things that no human can do regardless. That that's totally again, above and beyond what John McClane's capable of doing. It's not just him not getting hurt. Right. Uh, another one that's a little more on point for nerds would be army of darkness. Bruce Campbell. He's time traveling, goes back into the past. He has the chainsaw arm. He makes his own Tony Stark glove, you know, like a, he makes true. a mechanical to, to, working To anyone hand. in that castle, they would be like, that guy, I don't know what the fuck he is, yeah. but he ain't normal. Yeah, he was, he was the chosen one that they thought. They thought he was right. chosen to save them. Now, because I mean, really think about it. You got a guy, he comes back in, an, in a car and he's able to make a working mechanical hand that even scientists today still struggle making his hand is gone it's not like he has a finger left that he can manipulate it with he's able to make a fully working hand out of a medieval gauntlet like it's, it's ridiculous those movies are just a uh, a cartoon with gore but right. but, but, it's, he, but he becomes something else he becomes yeah. a, a superhero by the end of that film killing monsters and stuff some other ones that are maybe not so obvious i would say dr doolittle i mean he's got a magical power he can talk to animals 
Yeah, he's not quite Animal Man or Aquaman or Vixen, but... He talks to animals he and he d- does yeah. save them, you could say. It's, you know, he's an animal hero. He's an animal superhero. I mean, sure. you know, whatever. Yeah. Another Jackie Chan, Police Story 1 and 2. Police Story is basically, it's like Die Hard. Jackie Chan is a cop. You know, it's basically, it's like Die Hard. Die Hard, you're like, oh, maybe he's a superhero because he's kind of lucky. By the end of Police Story 2, you're like, he's, it's, it's like Drunken Master. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's out the window. It, but it's, well, maybe it's, it's just Jackie Chan. Maybe That's what I, yeah, no, you could pick it, take any Jackie Chan movie and make that same sort of argument, which is why I have to stop at Police Story 1 and 2. <laughs> the other one is um, the John Travolta film Phenomenon. Interesting. This might be a good way to sort of bridge it over to our next topic because this is supposedly inspired by a true story. He has like an accident or something and he get he ends up getting like psychic powers. He gets a little bit of telekinesis and his mind is like expanding. He can like read books and memorize them. He doesn't read people's minds or anything like that, but it's, you know, he, he they are powers nonetheless. And they're like, oh, with well, the powers, they're affecting your brain. You're going to get a tumor. And he's like, oh, what do I do? And I don't know. It's 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 a drama, but it is like a superhero movie masked in a, in a drama sort of right. real world kind of thing. Kind of like a, a depressing Unbreakable film. <laughs> If Unbreakable wasn't depressing enough. Yeah, yeah, but even even a little, a little even more so. Speaking of revisiting the discussion that I just had with Hex just now, that I just had with Hex, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the person who gave us that topic was M, mm-hmm. who mentioned M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan Ding Dong? Yeah. M. If you are M. M. Night Shyamalan. M and M. Night. Yeah. What are you trying to pull here, man? You just wanted to talk about your film, Unbreakable. <laughs> I loved it. I mean, I... I <laughs> Please, if you are indeed M. Night Shyamalan, no joke. Ooh, what a twist. Yeah. First of all, what a twist. <laughs> Second of all, please make a sequel. I've been dying to see a sequel to Unbreakable, yeah. even a part three. I, I, I would... Can't you film a sequel to Unbreakable with the money you made from the shitty films you've made since Unbreakable? I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I like The Village. I really did. People talk trash about it. I really genuinely like The Village. I, I you know, I, I didn't see The Village, but it's all besides the point. The point is, Unbreakable is a fantastic movie. Yeah. By all you, accounts. You, yeah. I, I, no matter, I don't care what anyone else says, whatever bad Ill, Ill will feelings they'll have to you, please make Unbreakable it, too. That man made a perfect film. Yeah. And yeah. if, if that's if that's what happens, you make a perfect film and you burn out afterwards. I guess that you know. Dude, okay. I, I still love Francis Ford Coppola. Like I mean, you know, it's like he gets free pass for the rest of his life. I don't care. <laughs> Michael Jackson, he made Thriller. Come on. <laughs> Moving on to our topic, as Doug hinted, the subject is movies based on strange truths, and this comes from Big Bad Shadow Man, who said, "I want to hear about movies based on weird real life incidents." Last week, I watched one of my favorite movies, Rodan, mostly because. And this is and this is going back a long ways, guys, because we have some microsodes that have been gestating. But more on that when we're when we're done with this topic. Back in our, our episode New Ways to Die, Brian Clevenger made the joke about global warming and giant bugs. Uh, one of the theories where Rodan came from involves global warming in a movie made in 1956 <laughs> uh, and had giant bugs. It was also inspired by the Mantel UFO incident. Also, in the first Godzilla movie, nuclear radiation is a factor in Godzilla's origin because of the unfortunate accident of the Lucky Dragon Number no. 5 fishing boat, which was unwittingly catching fish too close to the Bikini Islands when an atomic bomb test was conducted. Mm. So that's some, that's some uh, very real, very scary stuff from the 1950s and the nuclear fear that happened there uh, that, that, in, that did influence the uh, Godzilla series of films and many, many, many kaiju films. So, Big Bad would like us to talk about movies based on strange truths. Mm-hmm. I was doing a little bit of research to try and just think of movies that were like loosely based on true stories, but also then try to narrow them down to things that were kind of strange. Because it's like, dude, movies based on true stories, you got, you know, biopics 
out the wazoo, you know, but none of them are really strange. But there's a few. Uh, we, we, we've compiled a list. Uh, we're going to try and go over them and try and explain them as best as we can. I know you haven't seen all of them, but you see, you've probably seen a few. I haven't seen all of them, but I've, I've seen a few. But I think I've between definitely us, heard of most of them. Yeah. And, and many of them, because they've been based on based on a true story, have, yeah, have piqued yeah. my interest over yeah. time. One that was really that came up really quick was the Philadelphia experiment. Yeah, which I saw. <laughs> I saw. <laughs> I saw the Phil- parts of the Philadelphia Experiment 2 on TV when I was a kid. Okay. <laughs> that one's not based on fucking anything, <laughs> except loosely on the first movie. <laughs> okay. I, I haven't seen the Philadelphia Experiment. I did see Philadelphia with Tom Hanks. That has nothing to do with the Philadelphia Experiment. <laughs> but I'm familiar with the actual Philadelphia yes, Experiment. Yes, I was going to say, yeah, go ahead, go ahead and explain that. it's rumored that the U.S. government appropriated some of Nikola Tesla's technologies and more or less created an incident where a... A battleship was teleported a distance, and horrible things were mentioned, such as people after the teleportation being fused into the ship's walls, half alive, really terrifying stuff. And honestly, I haven't ever read into the accounts enough to figure out how true I feel it is. It's 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 definitely a crazy thing to invent as fiction with people right. with like people who are actually involved in the secret whatever it was right uh, apparently i mean whether or not you believe in the conspiracy theories or not, apparently there was a experiment done on a battleship but it wasn't about teleportation it was about about invisibility like if could they could they cloak a battleship was the idea and the experiment just didn't work apparently and there was no horror element of you know half bodies you know like put into the framework or anything like that it was just sort of like oh that was an interesting idea for an experiment and just sort of spun out of control and took on a life of its own or the conspiracy is real and i just believe what the government tells me i don't know at this point but that was the basis for that film uh, but as we mentioned in um the previous microsode in this episode with nikola tesla and the prestige yeah nikola tesla is not he's a he's a whole other there's a yeah. lot of speculation on things that he was working on technologies he was developing yeah, earthquake machine or right. whatever like. uh, there's many things like diaries that are unaccounted for yeah and people believe that you U.S. government sees these diaries and have were mining them for you know potential applications. It basically, it, there's a whole thing back there. But but the Philadelphia experiment is a uh, more popcorny. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was made in 1984. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it, it was it was meant to be a, a kind of like a you know a summer yeah film. Yeah, yeah. It's not trying to like pull the curtain back on anything. It's just it's just hey, you know that urban legend about that? Let's just explore that. Right. Another one was Amityville Horror, supposedly based on a true story. Just from the account of the family who was living there who wrote the book about it at the time. And I saw the remake, the recent one, which I, I really enjoyed. Oh, okay. I didn't see it, so. It was, you know, one of many classic horror films being rehashed for modern theaters, but some of those have been good, and this was definitely one of them. Hmm, hmm. I don't know how true it is to the original accounts. I don't know yeah. how true it is to the original film. Well, there is the book that you can get that's written by, like, the dad or whatever. Yeah. In the years since, the son, like the, little, like the littlest son, like the little boy or whatever who has since grown up, says that it's all bullshit and that it didn't right. happen. But it, either way, it was based on a strange truth at the time, something that was generally considered like to be a factual account. Like a, like a demonic haunting slash possession yeah, of an yeah. entire house. Yeah, but apparently uh, it wasn't real. But but we're getting we're, we're working our way down the list of things that I promise you that we'll, we'll be getting to ones that did indeed happen. The next one, similar to that, was The Mothman Prophecies. Yes, and I remember when the film came out, it looked really cool, but I, I never I saw, saw it. it. I saw yeah. it. I think I maybe only saw it like on video at home or on DVD, because it was kind of creepy. I'm like, well, I kind of like creepy movies sometimes. Let's watch this. And for like... How weird is it that Richard Greer... Get Richard Gere, yeah. <laughs> it's a horror movie. Like. It is weird. Well, it's not a horror film. It's definitely a suspense thriller. If I were to pitch you the idea, you're like, that's weird and kind of creepy, and that could be really cool, but... 
the movie begins and I'm like, what? What is this? This is weird. A Mothman, like a giant winged angel creature type thing that everyone says looks like a giant feathery. It was like it was and everyone describes it in a really creepy way. Yeah. And it can like tell you the future and stuff like that. And there's a couple scenes in the movie where I'm like, wow, this is getting creepy really quick. Like this is whoa, okay. And like they're always cutting to like these above bird's eye views. So you get this the idea of like, is it watching him? Like but you could take that same cliche and just the and it would be funny, you know, it would, it would, whatever. But then by the time the movie ends, the, the the big climactic event happens. And I'm like, bull fucking shit. This did not happen in reality. If this happened in reality, you couldn't hide it. Like this is like there's no conspiracy in the world big enough could hide this from happening. It'd be obvious to be on the front of every newspaper. Mothman exists. We've all we, anyway. I mean, so maybe. Yeah, there is now there is an actual urban legend about the Mothman. And there was like this bridge collapse that happened that it, he supposedly predicted. But it's all urban legend craziness. When I was in middle school, there were these really crazy readers. There was one called Calamities. There was one called Disasters. There was one called Conspiracies. Mm-hmm. And they were these like exciting, yeah. like pseudo journalistic things. I, I remember to, books like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and Mothman was in there. I remember like one of the, I suppose it's probably classic illustrations of like not an artist rendering, but a person who allegedly saw the Mothman. Right. It's this ridiculous thing. It looks yeah. like uh, that He-Man figure, the bee. I don't, remember, I don't remember. I don't remember the his name, no, no. but there's there was like, <laughs> like I've seen. So, dude, the Mothman looks different to everybody. Some people it looks like a human stingray, and like some people it just looks like a giant owl with like no neck, you know, and but with human legs. It made no sense. It was. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> okay, I'm on the the Wikipedia page. It says uh, the first newspaper report was published in the Point Pleasant Register, November sixteenth, nineteen sixty six. Here's the title: This the couples see man sized bird dot 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 creature dot 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 something. <laughs> <laughs> that's grade a journalism there sir like he's letting he's like i i can't take this seriously i but let's they saw something okay we, we it was a slow day something. it was yeah slow news day <laughs> the next movie on our list is fire in the sky and i remember when this came out because i was horrified of like ufo stuff as oh a kid. then this was not good for you sir no, and I, I never i didn't see it but i was like while i was horrified of it i was also fascinated by it like Wait, I, so did you see it i didn't see it but kids at my school did see it and they'd tell me about dude, it. dude you would have been scarred for life i don't doubt it because everything they told me was already terrifying yeah oh my gosh like no joke like i mean the movie's a good movie even though i'm very dubious as to the facts of whether or not this happened well first of all it's different from the book like if you read the the guy's firsthand account of how things really happened when he when he was abducted entirely different from what they do in the movie the movie is just similar in name only like just in the concept of a guy gets abducted he comes back later and he tells what he saw like that's what he saw in the movie is not what the guy supposedly saw in reality right but the movie version is better because it makes a better story but it's horrifying it is it is a nightmare but it's but it's done so well most of the movie takes place on earth where they're looking for him but when he finally comes back and you get like these flashbacks to what happened legit nightmares it's like you will get even if you're not scared of aliens i remember a scene of him naked in this translucent sack being dragged along the ground or something like that yeah 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 i mean i saw the trailer it was that was bad enough oh dude i mean it's like the the flashbacks aren't even that long but they're so memorable you won't forget them like like the, the the entire alien spaceship sequence maybe is like eight minutes of the movie if that mm. but you will never forget it it's done very well <laughs> i would love to see it it's weird that i never went back and let's saw just it. watch it well we should we should totally watch it yeah but here's here's another one of that same vein have you heard of communion Commun- no, 1989 so. christopher walken based on the book of the same name it's an alien abduction based on a thing. true story yeah based on a true story uh, you know as as true story as any uh 
extraterrestrial novels right or, yeah or, you know as true as it can be yeah yeah the score was composed by eric clapton weirdly enough oh um, okay yeah I, I've, I've never seen it but in my in the same phase of me like not watching fire in the sky i recall wandering through the sci-fi aisle and blockbuster and seeing this christopher walken movie with this huge gray alien face like submerged Weird. behind a, like a, a, a sparkling sky and another yeah. thing about fire in the sky is you like twin peaks yeah this movie is also it's twin peaks meets x-files with robert patrick you wouldn't you can't go wrong you're gonna love this movie even if it is very scary like i don't know i recommend it i, I only saw it like within the past couple of years but it was a uh, very surprising i thought it was gonna be very cheesy but it was um very well done even though the again i personally feel like the story is questionable but it makes for a great movie i do really want to see it <laughs> the next one on our list is rope alfred hitchcock's rope okay are you, are you, are you familiar with this movie at all Weirdly not. I mean, I like Hitchcock, but I, I've never like fanboyed out about him hard enough to you know, track down everything he did. Yeah, and I, this is, um, not, I've never heard of Rope. Okay, this is Hitchcock and Jimmy Stewart. This film is kind of an experiment. What Hitchcock wanted to do was to do the entire film in one take. Whoa. But that was physically impossible it, because... It's 1948? Yes. It was physically impossible because film cameras only stored about 10 minutes. So it just, it just couldn't be done. So what Hitchcock did throughout the film was try and bridge the cuts kind of seamlessly where it'd be like someone would walk in front of the camera spielberg later took this to use in jaws um <laughs> yeah and but it but it's done very well it's a great story that the plot of rope the entire thing takes place in a uh, apartment and the, the plot is these two college students conspire and murder so they successfully murder a mutual friend of theirs purely to see if they can get away with it they think they're very smart they think they're very clever so they murder him and they just want to see if they can get away with murder because they will self-congratulate themselves oh man um not and, a good idea guys and uh <laughs> but no no to make it even more better because that so the, so the movie begins with the murder in progress and he dies they got him he's dead uh-huh they strangle him with a rope okay okay they put him in a trunk and uh they close the trunk he's dead they've done it and uh they're like what do we do now I go well let's continue on with the dinner like planned you figure out not just murdering this guy is enough they want to then put like a tablecloth over the trunk and serve hors d'oeuvres on top of it and invite his family and everyone like that they know oh just God. to have a dinner party around the dead guy and be like wow he's late i don't know where he could be and just because they were like sick you know they're sick in the head they just want to see if they get away with it J hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Jimmy Stewart plays a dinner guest who was their like professor back in school uh -huh. and he knows they're acting strange and he starts to piece things together and it, the tension is 
boiling, man. The tension is amazing. And it, it just goes. And it's almost done in real time. And like the background is like these great picturesque windows where you see the sun go down. And the movie ends, it's at nighttime. And if you see the movie, if you see a frame at the beginning of the movie where the sun is out and it's like a normal looking apartment, and then you t- take a frame from the end where it's like at night and all the street lights are on and everything, and you realize you haven't left the apartment and it's sort of the sun is set over the course of the movie, you're like, wait a minute, this is 1948? How the fuck did they do that? Like, you know, it's like there's so many things going on in that movie. You can rewatch multiple times. But the true story was indeed two young men did kill a student like friend of theirs just to see if they can get away with it but of course they were caught the word got out they went to jail and it was ridiculous but uh it's a great movie i highly recommend it that's crazy now the next one you have on your list is another one that i did not anticipate being true in any way shape or form Mm -hmm. uh the marilyn monroe classic some like it hot yes i have a lot to say about that film that but it doesn't pertain to about whether or not it's true Uh, just if you haven't seen Some Like It Hot, it's a great comedy. If you like Looney Tunes even a little bit, you will love Some Like It Hot. It's, 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 it's great. The thing about it being based on a strange truth is that, well, you know, I'll just pitch you the beginning of the film. This is the hook. So Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon are musicians. This is like back during Prohibition and they're like struggling to find work. They don't know what to do. So they hear about a job out of town and they go to like this filling station, like a, like a, a car garage or whatever. And they're like filling up their car full of gas and suddenly the mob rolls in and they duck and they hide and they are witnesses to the saint valentine's day massacre (laughs) and which really happened (laughs) so they witnessed this happening now granted in the movie it's not the saint valentine's day massacre because maybe they thought if they actually just blatantly said it was a saint valentine's day massacre they get in trouble somehow but it's it's totally the saint valentine's day massacre so they see this the whole thing happen they barely escape because they get discovered they see that they're hiding and they're like, what do we do? Where do we go? Where, you know, and they're like, they know we're musicians. We're carrying our instruments. What can we do? And they say, well, we did hear about a job that is uh, we'd have to hop a train and take it down to Florida. It was for an all girl band. We're just going to have to dress and drag, hide among these ladies. And when we get down to Florida, just jump ship and never they'll never hear from us again. And but of course, they join the band and Marilyn Monroe is in the band and they don't plan on leaving anytime soon after that but (laughs) but it's but it's great it's a great movie and that's kind of where the heart where the uh hard truth it's kind of where the strange truth ends (laughs) uh but but yeah it was very much inspired by the saint valentine's day massacre we should wiki that it was it's interesting and crazy then of course there's the elephant man which kind of is a biopic right but that is a strange truth i mean there was a guy who was known as the Elephant Man. Yeah. He and had a deformity. Yeah, it's the story of his life. And it's David Lynch, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Anthony Hopkins as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. You've all heard the quote, I am not an animal. Like, that's that's where this comes from. Yeah. I mean, this, this is follow-up to Eraserhead and the thing he did before Dune. So... Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I can't even go into why this is a strange truth. Just just Wikipedia, the Elephant Man, and you'll see, oh my gosh, a movie about this guy? Okay. Like, you get it. Like, there's nothing else to explain. Shadow of the Vampire. Yeah, this this is an interesting thing. Now, I've never seen this film, but I'm well aware of uh, the context of it, the mysteries surrounding the filming of Nosferatu. Yes. Yeah. The strange truth is that uh, Nosferatu, you know, the first vampire movie, the actor who played Nosferatu was credited as Max Schreck. And there's an urban legend surrounding this guy because it's like, wait a minute, what other movies has he been in? Like, he hasn't been in anything else. He's only been the vampire in Nosferatu, and he's so damn convincing and creepy looking and creepy looking yeah. like did they somehow find a vampire and and film him and like and that's why we, he's never in anything else like so someone took that idea and ran with it and um 
It's a great film. Mm. Yeah, John Malkovich, Willem Dafoe. It's a very unique vampire film. It's not like uh, many others. But yeah, this, it just explores the idea of what if this guy really was a vampire and they casted him in this film and how crazy would that be trying to wrangle this, you know, this this ancient being. But in reality, Max Schreck did indeed make other films and you can see him in other silent <laughs> films. Uh, it was just a weird urban legend that started. Yeah, I've always wanted to see that movie. Uh, uh, you Another one that you would like very yeah, much, I think. The, the next one on the list I have seen, uh, or at least I've seen a version of it, uh-huh. is uh, Zodiac. What do you mean What do you mean version that you've seen? Well, David Fincher released a, I feel like saying a four-hour cut is an exaggeration. He released a very an extended, extended cut? cut. Oh, I didn't see the extended and, cut. And I mean, I hear it's great if you got the time for it. Uh-huh. Um, but what was in theaters was already quite long. Yeah, so that's the one I saw. Uh, yeah. Z- Zodiac is a fascinating serial killer suspense thriller based on the zodiac killer yeah Yeah. it was it was a real thing it was probably the most publicized strangest american serial killer story in real life that there's ever been Mm -hmm. like this is a guy who was legitimately like throwing down clues and was impossible to catch yeah he's like the riddler and victor zaz mixed together he made these cryptic messages with weird codexes and stuff that to this day people still don't know if they even say anything they, they can't crack what he was writing yeah they got him but they like well well they got a suspect right and they were going to take him to trial but he died of a heart attack before he could go on trial so i mean now most people believe that this was the guy but we'll never know and there's been other hints and urban legends about the idea that he would go on and he, from that point on he would go on to kill people but make it look like accidents so this way you might see someone who died of a suicide but no it was actually him and uh you'll never he just went on after that as good as this guy was at being like the craziest serial killer of all time it's totally believable that he could do that because he's so calculating like he's so methodical like every hannibal lecter-esque character has been influenced by the story of of the zodiac killer yeah Yeah. and uh it's and also because it it could have only happened then because crime investigation didn't have a lot of technology going for them the the way it does today with like dna samples and everything else like maybe someone like couldn't get away with that nowadays but man the fact that he was unstoppable and that anybody could it could have been anybody and these taunting the newspapers and taunting the police just read the Wikipedia about it. You can check out some of the, the cryptic or, stuff he's written. Or better still, see the film. Or, yeah, or see the film. Because it's a great movie. Yeah, it's yeah. The the movie does kind of pose the um hypothesis on who it was, and it does make sense. But again, you know, it you'll never know for sure. And if you're a fan of Casey Jones from Ninja Turtles, Elias Coteus is in it in a good supporting role. Yes, so. yeah. And uh Mark Ruffalo, also known as Bruce Banner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh Tony Stark. Uh <laughs> oh yeah, Robert Downey, yeah, <laughs> shit, I forgot he was in there. And uh, and and uh, Jake uh, Gyllenhaal, the Prince of Persia. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, you want to see them hunt down a serial killer? <laughs> like this is this is the way to go. Yeah, Operation Dumbo Drop. Man, I saw that in theaters. Yeah, supposedly that's based on a true story. Yeah, um, I've never looked into it. Boy, it sounds ridiculous. It was not a good yeah. film either. It was maybe acceptable at best, but as a kid, I liked it. I haven't seen it since I saw it as a kid. Uh, I haven't either. I just remember. I remember thinking like, why wasn't this funnier? <laughs> you know? I, I don't know i was more of like hey they're trying to get that elephant and they're gonna drop him uh, with a parachute ain't that crazy this is like that's all i care about the movie I saw it. yeah uh so tell me about this this other one doug the ghost and the darkness 1996 Oof, yeah I, I don't know what this is oh my gosh so um i haven't seen it since i was really little but like val kilmer michael douglas oh i've seen i saw the box for this yeah also yeah. at blockbuster <laughs> uh this is now this is apparently pretty close to the being very accurate to what really happened this in this case 
the real events are even stranger than the movie. Now, in the movie, uh, basically, the, the hook of the, the story is that these two male lions who don't have a pack, it's just the two of them, they are tearing apart these uh, uh, railroad workers. Like, they have, like, hundreds and hundreds of people working to build this railroad through Africa. And these male lions just come out of the desert at night, and they're killing, like, hundreds of people. And it's like, they're unstoppable. And the native population took to calling them, like, the ghost and the darkness. because no matter what they did, no matter how many traps they set up, no matter how many firewalls they built around the camp, they somehow got in and they just thought they weren't lions. These were demons. They, they couldn't a fair explain assumption. it. You can't yeah. fault them for that. And uh, Val Kilmer and Michael Douglas are involved. Where Val, I think Val Kilmer's like the reporter who's talking about her. He's like somehow involved and Michael Douglas is like the hunter who's going to try and hunt them down. And uh, the reality of it is very similar to that. The thing that makes it even weirder is that these two male lions were maneless they didn't have the manes in the movie they have the manes because they're male lions right but in reality they had they had no mane at all so they almost looked like lionesses yeah but they were like the idea that two male lions without a pride working together and living together in a cave and only eating the people like it sounds like natural born killers <laughs> yeah but it, but but, it, but it's totally true yeah you could go again go on wikipedia and just start reading up about it you can see photos of the actual cave where they were where they were staying and the tree where these hunters like the hunter would stay outside he would stay up in this tree and try and shoot them when they come out of the cave but he would like miss them all the time and i mean it's 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 a great story and in fact i can't remember what what museum uh, because they, they went on like a tour after they killed these two lions, they stuffed them and they're in, they're in a museum. I think it might be the Museum of Natural History or Museum. Freaky. Yeah. Or the Smithsonian or something like that. I remember I actually did see them in reality. I think I was at the Smithsonian and um, you can see them like in this giant glass case and they have both the lions in there. And it was creepy just like because they were big, but kind of lanky at the same time. And people thought, well, maybe they're starving or I don't know. But either way, it, it's it's an amazing story. And we, we still don't have a, a, a airtight explanation as to why this happened. Man, that's nuts. I've, I've never heard that. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's a great story. But uh, similar enough, <laughs> next on the list was Jaws. Which I did not think was based on anything. It's not based on a giant killer shark. This was inspired, much like how like you know, like Godzilla was inspired by uh, a terrible event. Jaws was inspired by, oh, when was it? Like sometime in the uh, early 1900s. Or like the late 1800s, where a shark went into like an inlet, like into a river system, uh-huh. and um, was were, was just eating people. This is back in the day, so people weren't really familiar with sharks. Like they didn't really like the average Joe who was living on the land just didn't know about sharks. And they're out like in the river, washing their clothes and sometimes bathing and stuff. And the shark was just eating people, and they're like, "What the fuck? Like, like it's a monster? What is this?" Right. Okay. And and it, I can't remember how many people it killed, but it killed. A decent amount. And um, that inspired uh, Peter Benchley to write Jaws sort of loosely. And then, of course, the the book Jaws inspired the movie. So you could say, you know, through connecting the dots here, the movie is loosely based uh, or rather inspired by an actual strange event of the shark swimming into a river and um, massacring a town. And, yeah. Yeah. And ten- terrorizing a small town. Yeah. 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 Wow. So there you have uh, a very extensive list of some surprising movies based on strange truths thank you doug mm-hmm. you uh oh. you're, you're the brains behind this one you're quite welcome <laughs> i hope it was satisfactory <laughs> and thanks to big bad shadow man for the great topic so like i said earlier we got some things to say about microsodes for those of you following the show you know that um 
over the years, we put out a sizable number of microsodes, but that's nothing compared to the amount of microsodes that you amazing people have earned mm-hmm. because we're entirely listener supported and every hundred dollar mark, whoever pushes over that gives us the ability to do this. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is we're going to throw a microsoda palooza. And, and what that is, is it's going to be a day long event where we are going to do a marathon recording session. The thing about microsodes is that uh, in order to give you the best microsodes, some of them are quite specialized. Like, it'll be like, do a show about this game that only a handful of people have played. So we have to figure out who in all of the Nerdy Show Network have played it enough to comment on it, or if they haven't played it, who would be a good commentator. At this point, we're down to maybe the most specialized of all yeah, of the, yeah. the microsodes that we've been doing the easy ones. Yeah, even uh, the easy ones are hard enough to get people together at the same time time same place we have we have to assemble specialized casts for these yeah and we feel terrible about it we don't want to have like let these go out to pasture for so long so we're doing this event and um we're going to stream it we'll have details about where and how in the very near future but uh keep an eye peeled to nerdyshow.com and our social streams for news on how that's going to go down but i can tell you when it's going to go down and that's saturday september 27th we're going to be streaming from the studio. It's the first time we've ever done an event like this. You just watch it happen. And then those episodes that we record for that day will become fully produced podcasts that we'll release as often as possible through the end of the year. So in a way, if they watch it streaming, they get the full unedited, right. uncensored, <laughs> yep. completely live, terrible look at the inner workings yep. of how Nerdy Show the, operates. The veil will be lifted. You'll see how things go. It's not, it's not too embarrassing. It's not too embarrassing, but it's been... Uh, we haven't done a live show, a truly live podcasting thing in a very, very long time. Hmm. Uh, so this will be fun. It's going to be people from all over the network. We'll have created a schedule. A dream team. So that people will be able to sit and do a couple episodes and then leave. And then more people come in and just cycle, cycle, cycle all day. And you're going to be marathoning it, man. That's like, right. Oof. <laughs> I'm excited for it because like, there's a few other outstanding listener created projects that uh that we want to see through to the end and uh and we, we, backlog is there we want to get these yeah. microsodes done we're going to take care of as many of them as we can maybe we'll have to throw a couple microsoda paloozas but we want to we want to nuke this list we want to get them done we want them to be awesome the time like, is not we could squeeze them out and just do them but they wouldn't be half as good as if we put love into them so we want to put as much love in them as possible and then once we've taken care of of this clusterfuck we've created for ourselves <laughs> we'll make sure it never happens again <laughs> <laughs> So that's the plan, but that's not all we're doing that's live streaming in the month of September. No, we got a little thing that we announced in the in last week's Dungeons and Doritos episode, the D&D Q&A. And this one is interactive. Live video from us in the studio, it's, and it's going to be like kind of a behind the scenes conversation. Rule, our game master, was looking through questions in the forums about like, uh, like you know, how badly did our antics screw over his plans and and so on and so forth. So this is kind of going to be like uh like a virtual convention panel where, oh, okay. where you, the most diehard fans of Dungeons and Doritos, you can either ask us questions on the forums that we'll, we'll read aloud on the episode, or you can actually call in live to the show. Nice. And uh, the Jamela puppet will be, uh, will be making a rare appearance. And um, at the very least, we're going to have myself, Colin, and Rule on the phone. We may be able to get others from the D&D cast involved. I'm not sure yet. Trying to figure it out. But at the very least, you'll have the three of us who have been most responsible for the behind the scenes stuff cool cool. so this will be the dungeons and doritos dvd bonus feature <laughs> and you don't even have to get dressed you can just sit behind your computer but we do no yeah you we get just, dressed i'm yeah. saying the listeners don't have to 
<laughs> and that's going to be on Wednesday, September 24th at nighttime Eastern. So all that's happening during a single week in September. In the meantime, stay tuned for you know more awesome stuff from the Nerdy Show Network. If you can't afford to donate to the network, best thing you can do is shop at Amazon. You're probably already shopping at Amazon, but if you follow the link on nerdyshow.com's front page or go to nerdyshow.com slash Amazon, it'll take you through to a portal. They'll access the Amazon store as though nothing happened, but everything you, yeah, but magically everything you buy there, a percentage of it will go to Nerdy Show. It won't be more expensive, but that love for you buying that flat screen television or maybe even any of the movies that we mentioned in this episode mm-hmm. will all pour back into Nerdy Show. Even if you rent it? Even if you just stream it? Yeah, any money you spend at Amazon, whether you, wow. s- you stream it, get it digitally, whatever. In fact, all the links, if you're following links to Amazon from like our links on any of our episode pages, or even like uh, Nelson Lugo's comics reviews, all those Amazon links, it all gives back to Nerdy Show. If you're curious in buying any of this stuff for yourself, it helps out Nerdy Show. And so, no extra cost. At, at no, yeah, no extra cost. It just happens magically where amazon associates it happens so that's like a listener making amazon give you money instead of them giving you money exactly that's awesome i mean you could buy probably medication you know on amazon. <laughs> yeah you could, self-medicate you can, and give money to nerdy you can, show you can buy toothbrushes on amazon you know what what, what, are, what do you need shop on amazon through our links and it gives back to the show and we'll be deal. eternally grateful but if you're able to donate of course you get cool perks no matter what dollar amount you can afford to give us we send you hours upon hours upon hours of uh, of bonus content lots of outtakes and so on so speaking of contributions we have some fine contributors who have helped the nerdy show network to survive during the month of august but as of this episode's recording the month has not ended so instead i'm going to cut to myself coming to you all the way from great britain to read off shout outs to these amazing individuals hey so i am coming to you from england now In August, man, you guys hit it out the park. Got a little dicey there for a while, but then, as you always do, you swooped in and collectively saved the day times a million. We had a grand total this month of $550 out of our $300 minimum. And what that extra money means is money to actually grow and improve the Nerdy Show Network, whereas the $300 is how much it takes to keep us alive every month, bare bones. So this is a very, very good thing. Joshua Westfall said, I'm loving the Sailor Moon reviews. Here's a little something to help out this month. He's talking about Jessica's Sailor Moon Crystal reviews that she publishes the Monday after every episode premiere. So if you're a Sailor Moon fan, a.k.a. a Moonie, then uh, you might want to check those out. And if you're not, but curious what's going on with this new series, also a good idea. She not only summarizes the episodes, but also evaluates how consistent they are with the manga, what they've improved, what could use improvement, etc., etc. Ethan Kruger says... Putting $20 towards Pokeballs of Steelix, because I gotta catch another one. And we want to catch another one too, dude. In fact, we've been working pretty hard behind the scenes to bring Pokeballs back from the dead, and when we do, to give it a consistent schedule. Delphi said, Save the best for last this month, it seems. Love D&D and a nod to the nerd groove. Dr. Vern's got me listening to Nerdy FM regularly now. Garrier who's a regular monthly contributor, asks, Any chance of a Patreon or similar automatic donation method in the near future? I ask merely to make supporting your awesome work more convenient. And to Garrier and Barry I, who wrote in also and said, Monthly Nerdy Show Donation, keep being awesome. And Mauron, who said, It's that time of the month again. And every other truly incredible person who donates to us every month like clockwork, 
yes, we want to make your lives so much easier, and we are looking into doing a Patreon. Between our current system and adding that system's features to the mix, we got to sort a few things out, but we are working on it. That's something we are very interested in. Joe Barta saw our $300 minimum in his sights, and he threw in a hefty chunk, and like a true Roosevelt, said, Finish him! And Jamie, a.k.a. the Covered Wagon Kid, also saw this looming goal and laid a massive donation on us, saying, Good day, Nerdy Show crew. I haven't bought or supported in a while and felt compelled to do so while listening to the Salsa City switcheroo on a plane, which I also did when I came over to England. What a coincidence! Especially after seeing that you might not hit your minimum goal. Hopefully, I'm not the only Roosevelt to do so. Alonzi! No, Jamie, you find folks Roosevelted hard and fast and beautiful. Hugh O'Donnell said, Donating in memory of podcaster, geek, and awesome guy, P.G. Holyfield, who lost a sudden battle with cancer this month. Please visit specificmedia.com for more info. And yeah, it is a truly unfortunate thing. Specific Media is a speculative fiction podcast and news website, and uh, poor PG got a cancer that was inoperable by the time it showed any symptoms. It was a dark day for nerd podcasters. Mjolnir said, Sending much love and support for Nerdy Show, Ghostbusters Resurrection, Epic Podcast, D&D, and Wicked Anime. Sean Lawlor said, How can I not donate after such a hilarious episode of Dungeons and Doritos? Keep up the excellent work, everybody. Thank you, Sean. And Jeffrey Voss said, Thank you all so much for another great month of content. Finally, at the 11th hour, came Twomper, who said, Kisses, hugs, and belly rubs. XOXO Twomper. Thank you, everyone, so, so much. Your extreme Roosevelty awesomeness is tangible. And enraptures our spirits. And you're also the coolest ever. And hey, I'm in the UK. There's like only a couple more days that I'll be here. But if any of you live in or near London and want to do a meetup, follow the link on this episode's page for a link to the forums. And we can have an ultra rare, super secret UK meetup. But before I go, I also want to direct your attention to some cool things on the site. One, Nintendo just announced the first wave of Amiibo figurines. And having seen them in person, let me say that those are super, super cool. And as such, we've published a visual compilation of the first wave and links to where you can go to pre-order all of them. And Brandon got drunk on Jen and wrote a review of Disney's 1970 film, The Aristocats. This was unprompted. I was as surprised as anybody. And if you know Brandon, you'll know that this is something truly special. So keep an eye out for that on Tuesday, September 2nd. Anyway, now it's time for us to go back to the studio where Doug and I are going to talk about something else cool that Nerdy shows up to. We've got something new, the little brainchild of, uh, of Doug's here. Maybe you're a fan of uh, Ghostbusters Resurrection. And I you've hope been, you uh, are. <laughs> then you'll know that Doug has actually improved upon the original 1980s Ghostbusters role-playing system. Which is to say that he's created uh, new rules, new items, and uh, like adapted content from the second film, adapted content from the uh, canonical video game, mm-hmm. and basically expanded the experience for a role-playing system that's been out of print for a very long time. Yeah. And as such, people have always wondered, what, if, what are the rules you've come up with? How can I play this? And now we're able to facilitate those questions. We want, we want everybody to be able to play the Ghostbusters role-playing game as Doug has expanded it. Yeah. So if you go to nerdyshow.com slash GBRPG, you will go to the Ghostbusters role-playing hub, and there's a how-to page 
where uh, Doug has outlined all the new stuff. Like for modern equipment, how much do you charge clients? I mean, all these things that not necessarily were if they were in the original rules, they're either expanded or they weren't in the original rules at all. And uh, it's been a long time coming and a lot of people have been asking for it. So I'm happy that we're actually going to finally be able to release it so everyone can get their hands on it. But what's more is that this uh, this is a project of love and um, the Ghostbusters role playing system. One of the, the core pieces of playing it is equipment cards, like actual like cards that you would have cut out of the player's manual and distributed to your yeah, with your, the perforated edges and everything yeah oh, yeah. yeah so th- you need these you need equipment cards to play you need equipment cards to determine who's holding what and um they're fugly yeah from the old days you have new items you've created yeah even even when i was just playing with uh with with our group i i photoshopped them. i said these are too ugly i will not print this out of my printer and cut it up it'll look terrible i had to photoshop my own and from there we we're like well hey We've created brand new equipment cards. They're uh, illustrated by Matt Tasm, who's been doing all the incredible artwork for uh, season two of Ghostbusters Resurrection. Yeah, these things are awesome. <laughs> like, I'm, I can't believe this. He, he's putting in all of this effort for so long. I would have quit a long time ago if it was me. <laughs> I'm just that lazy. But I, I would dare say the art on the equipment cards would rival the art that he does for the episodes like the detail on the equipment is oh absolutely maybe even better perhaps yeah it's great and i've designed well the design of the cards so we've created these sexy 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 equipment cards you can print them out and play with them Mm -hmm. whatever quality of paper you want or if you like the resources that doug and company have created for you you can uh donate a little coin in the direction of the ghostbusters role-playing hub and if you do well very soon we're going to be able to offer actual physical equipment cards as a perk for donating. There's both a, a full set of cards, poker-sized cards, and a box that I designed to look like a containment unit. That's and cool. <laughs> um, another important part of the system is a ghost die. It's, it's integral to all the hijinks that come from Ghostbusters roleplay. All the humor really does spawn from it, yeah. The original one was a sticker on a D6. Yeah. <laughs> this one that we've created is a laser-etched die. Yeah. It's better than the original. Like that, no that's, joke. That's what yeah, we were trying yeah. to do with all this stuff. Better yeah. than the original. And we've got that as well. You can donate to get a starter kit with the dice and the cards. Or you can donate to get a franchise kit, which will get you the dice, the cards, enough slimy green D6s to play the game with your friends, a certificate for your branch of the Ghostbusters, and personnel cards, which are the redesigned character sheets that we've made. Mm-hmm. And uh, also a better design than has ever come before like in any other version. So we're, we're, we're not only upgrading the cards and the dice, but also the character sheet and also the rules. So this is the ultimate version of the game that you could possibly play. I'm a listener of Ghostbusters Resurrection, and I love the show when I heard it. And it was always so cool to me that you were able to update everything that was already so great about this original system. It's out of print. There's really no hope of it being expanded. So not anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> so so being able to offer up Doug's expanded resources for it and everything, so more people can pick up this amazing role playing game and play it. That's what we want to do, and that's what's there at nerdyshow.com/gbrpg or in fact gbrpg.com. Check it out. We'll have the starter kit and franchise kits available soon. 
And there's a whole discussion that's been ongoing if you want to get a sneak peek at all these things. The trials and tribulations of making this happen. We'll have like the personnel card forms and the card forms online at the same time as we'll have the physical rewards available to donate. So just keep an eye out to both that website or uh, follow the thread on the Nerdy Show forums. And soon, hopefully, you'll be uh, busting some ghosts and uh, busting some heads. All in style. Yeah, in style, most (laughs) importantly. In a spiritual sense, of course. Right, right. So thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, if you're listening to us on SoundCloud, you can actually comment on specific points in the timeline to talk about like, oh, this part, like, man, I fucking saw Mothman Prophecies and it sucked donkey dicks and here's why. (laughs) Or man, Mothman Prophecies, the scariest shit I ever saw. (laughs) Sir, you got to see some other movies. I've I've never watched another movie ever again. (laughs) Not even comedies. (laughs) Please comment if that's true. (laughs) Subscribe to us on SoundCloud, subscribe to your favorite shows on SoundCloud, subscribe to us on iTunes. Basically, if you like listening to Nerdy Show, keep listening to Nerdy Show. We're available. Yeah, we're super available. Maybe that might seem whorish of us, but uh, we want to be real available for you. (laughs) Anytime, any place. Day or night. We got what you need. At home, in the office, in the car. Yeah, wherever. We'll do it. (laughs) We want to be in your ears. Yeah, Yeah, we're super sexy and we're in your ear holes. That's what we want to be in you. More than in your ear, we'd rather be in your heart. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that too. More holes for loving. Oh, God. That like, hole in your heart. We'll fill it. <laughs> all them ventricles. <laughs> so thanks so much for listening. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Doug. Taking us out, since we talked about uh, superhuman types in the first microsode, here's a track from Cyfried's brand new album, Season 5, Superhuman. I'm If I could be like them, would they like me better than? Would I be better than? Though I'm sure it can't be all fun.
Hey, you. Thanks for listening to Nerdy Show. We mean that. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, shopping at nerdyshow.com slash store, or directly donating to the network. Any size contribution gets you exclusive Nerdy Show audio and images and lets you participate in our monthly support drives. Just go to nerdyshow.com slash support to chip in. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. For more episodes of Nerdy Show, as well as other fine programs, community forums, videos, articles, and more, head over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via the iTunes store. And for the latest news, follow us on all your favorite social networks. Secret. Secret. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.